15. As we look there, uh, picking back up with the story of Abram. Most of you know that I was out last week, and I appreciate Brother Dusty, especially on the circumstances, being willing and able to step in as he did. I appreciate all of y'all's prayers uh, as well. This morning, as we look back at the life of Abram, I want to ask you a question. Um, Do any of y'all ever find yourself in this place, not where you're doubting God, not where you don't trust God, but where you're saying, God, I, I trust your promises. God, I know what you said, but I just wish there was some way that I could have a little bit more assurance of these promises. I know that you're going to do the right things at the right time. I know that you're hearing my prayers. I know that you're going to answer them the way that they need to be answered. But I wish, I just wish sometimes that I was a little bit more sure. I wish I knew with a little bit more certainty that these things were going to come to pass. Have any of you ever found yourself there? We're going to look this morning. We're going to see Abram, I believe, in a very similar place. And we're going to see God answering Abram. And I pray this morning that as he answers Abram's doubt or wavering, I pray that he answers yours this morning, especially if there are some of you here today that are dealing with that even at this moment. I want us to see three things today. Uh, Three things we're going to look at. The first one... I want you to see how much emphasis God puts on keeping his promises. Now, it's God takes his promises very seriously. We're going to see that in the text. This text, Genesis 15, if you know much about the Old Testament, about the Bible, this is the Abrahamic covenant. This is God making his covenant, not just making some promises, but making a covenant with Abraham in that covenant we're going to see how much emphasis God puts on keeping his promises. We're also going to look and see does God keep all of the promises that he's made to Abraham? He's made several promises already. He's going to make some more promises and prophecies today. We're going to look and see does God in fact keep those? The last thing that we want to see is how that impacts us. How does this covenant, how does God keeping these promises to Abraham impact me? How does it impact you? And we're going to see that. Now, we're not going to look at all of this text. We've been looking in Genesis 13 and 14, part of 15 on Wednesday nights. The story of Abram covers a large section of scripture. We're not going to be able to cover all of it verse by verse on Sunday mornings. But this morning, I'm going to kind of try and catch us up to where we are here in chapter 15. Abram and his family are in the promised land. They're living in Canaan. Things are going well in Canaan. Uh, They're living and he and Lot have separated because things were going so well. They're, all of their livestock got too big and they had to separate. Things are going well for Abram at this point in his life. But still in the first six verses, although we see all the ways that God has blessed him, how well things are going, Abram still has this bit of concern that we really see the idea of it in verse 2. It says, But Abram said, O Lord God, What will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And we see there that bit of concern that Abram seems to have. God, I know that you've made all these promises. God, I know that things are going well. God, I still don't have a child yet. Right? You've told me my my offspring are going to be numerous. You've shown me all these things, but I don't even have a child. God, I'm concerned 
that don't have a child. And God answers his concern, and, and it says that Abram believes God, and his faith is counted as righteousness. Then in verses 7 through 11, we see a similar type of thing. There's a little bit of a pattern here. In verses 7 through 11, Abram once again expresses a little bit of concern. God tells him, Abram, remember... I brought you out of the land of idol worship. I brought you to the promised land to give this land to you. And look what Abram says in verse 8. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? So again, Abram said, right, God, I've heard your promise. Yes, you brought me here to give this to me. I hear that. God, how can I know? I just want... A little bit more assurance. I don't believe that Abram doubts God. I don't believe that Abram's saying, God, I don't trust you. God, you're a liar. God, you're not going to give it to me. He says, God, I just, I wish I had something I could hold on to. Something tangible. Something concrete so that I would know that I'm going to have a child. Something so that I would know that I'm going to possess this land. And again, I believe that many of us can relate to the feelings that Abram has here. So look with me in the text. We'll begin there in verse 8 to see how God answers Abram. Genesis 15, 8 says, But he said, this is Abram, But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And God said to him, he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid them each half against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, how many of you, whenever, whenever Abram says to God, God, how will I know that I'm going to possess this land, expected God to say, go get this animal and this animal and this animal. And Abram went and got them and cut them in half and laid them on the ground. That that's the answer that you expected God to give to Abram. That kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit, doesn't it? Abram just said, God, how will I know that I'm going... If, if any of you are praying, God, listen, I know that you say, I know that you say that you're going to work out all things for my good, but in the midst of what I'm going through right now, how will I know that you're working out all things for my good. And God says, go and get a three-year-old goat and three-year-old ram and some birds and sacrifice them. And you say, amen, God. Amen. I feel so at peace now. I feel the reassurance. That's what I was looking for. Although that may make you scratch your head, in just a moment, I think it's going to make perfect sense. By the time you leave here this morning, you're going to understand this custom and you're going to say, that is reassuring for me to hear. But before we get there, there's some text in between verse 12 and, and a few verses after that. Uh, following that, verses 12 through 17, it says, Abram falls. I'm going to summarize it for time's sake. Abram falls into a deep sleep and God prophesies. He gives him some prophecies. He says, your offspring are going to uh, be sojourners in a foreign land. They're going to be slaves and servants in a foreign land for 400 years. Then I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to judge that nation. I'm going to bring your offspring out. I'm going to give them the promised land. And he also reassures Abram, Abram, you are going to live to a ripe old age, and you're going to die and be buried in peace. God prophesies those things to Abram. And then look with me in verse 17 where he gets back to these animals that he's asked Abram to go and get. Verse 17, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot, 
and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So here, in this vision that Abram is having, the animals that he's taken, right, he's cut them in half, and so he's laid one half here and the other half against it. The animals are laying on the ground like that, half the goat here and half of it here. He's laid them in this very particular way. And it says then in, he sees this vision of a of smoking pot and a torch that passed between the pieces. So if you can imagine that, well, imagine that, that this Bible is one of the, this is the goat and the goat has been killed and this is half of it and this is half of it. And so they're lying there, half touching the other half and he sees this vision of a smoking pot and a flaming torch passing right down the middle in between the two pieces of the goat and in between the two pieces of the ram. And, and he sees this vision. And again, you're still saying, all right, Rosak, you're, you're losing us. Some of you are starting to drift right now. You're looking at your phone. You're, you're trying to decide something else to do. But listen, what, what does that mean? Why are we talking about these animals cut in half over and over? Why are we talking about this flaming torch? Verse 18 tells us exactly what that vision means. It says that on that day, God was making a covenant with Abram. That is the covenant. The picture of the covenant is an animal cut in half with a smoking pot and a flaming torch passing in between. How is that a picture of a covenant? Well, a couple things that you have to understand. One that you have to understand is that the smoking pot and the flaming torch, they're symbols that represent God. Okay? They represent God. If you just trust me on it right now, I don't want you to get lost. You can look in Exodus 19, write that down and look at it later. You can look at Isaiah chapter 4, write that down and look at it later. Don't look at it right now. But these things represent God. The smoking pot, the smoke coming up represents God. The flaming torch, the fire represents God. So we see a picture, Abram sees a vision of God passing between the middle of these animals. And this in their culture, in the ancient Near East, uh, in, in Hebrew culture, uh, you see this not only here, we see it in Jeremiah 34, it's other places in the Bible. You hear about it in other places. It wasn't just in their culture. Uh, this would have been ancient Babylon, they would have done these sort of things. Uh, the Persians would have done these sort of things. What they would do when two men were making a contract with one another, a very serious contract, they would take an animal and they would sacrifice the animal. And they would do something similar to this. They would, they would take the animal and they would sacrifice it and, and cut it in half and put the two pieces next to each other. And both men would walk in between the two pieces. And it was a symbol of an oath. They were saying, if I break my end of the deal, let it be done to me the same thing that was done to this animal. That's what the picture is. In this day and time, they would do this. A lot of cultures did it. So they're saying, I'm taking this seriously. Because if I break my promise to you, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, I should be killed just like this ram, just like this whatever animal they had sacrificed. I should be killed just like them. But notice something different from the normal custom. The normal custom was the two men making the contract to one another would both walk between the pieces. But here, God doesn't ask Abram 
to get up and walk between the pieces. God shows Abram a picture of God walking between the pieces, which brings us to point one this morning. God is the one that secures his promises. Now, that is the main thing that we see in this vision today. I want you to really grasp that idea. God here doesn't give a conditional covenant to Abram. God does not say, Abram, you get up and walk between these pieces, and if you keep your end of the deal, then I'll keep my end of the deal, and your offspring will get to inherit the promised land. And I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. No, God doesn't say that. Abram says, God, how will I know that I'm going to have a child? God, how will I know that I'm going to possess this promised land? And God gives him a vision and says, Abram, if I don't make those promises come true, then I will quit being God. It's what God gives him a vision of here. If I don't hold up all the promises I've made to you, then I will die just like these animals are dead. I will be sacrificed. I will be killed just like them. And I will no longer be God if I don't keep up my promises. And now all of a sudden, these animals being cut in half is reassuring. Because in this picture, what God is saying is, I am the one that's going to make sure it happens. Y'all have said this before, if you want something done right, do it yourself. God says, you know how I know these promises are going to happen? Because I'm not depending on you to make them happen, Abram. I'm not going to depend on somebody else. I'm going to make them happen myself. That's how I know that they're going to get done. That's how I know that they're going to get done right. And Abram, that's how you can know that they're going to get done. God gives us here a catch-22 in the best of ways. Right? Y'all know what a catch-22 is? Uh, I'm not going to give you the definition. Let me tell you how it works here. God says, if I break my promise, I will cease to be God. But God can't cease to be God, so you know what? That means God can't ever break a promise. That's what God says here. I can't break a promise. Because if I break a promise, I won't be God. And I can't quit being God, so I can't ever break a promise. So rest assured, Abram you're going to possess this land. Rest assured, Abram, you're going to have a child. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning. How and how much emphasis God puts on his promises. He says, if I broke a promise to you, I would quit being God. And I can't do that. So I will never, ever, ever break a promise. So the next thing, real quickly, I want to run through a few of these. Does God fulfill his promises? Does God fulfill the promises that he makes to Abram? Well, he tells him he's going to let him have a son. Does he give him a son by his wife, Sarah? Absolutely. Isaac, right? We know about Isaac. Does a great nation come? Well, Isaac has Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, who has Joseph. Y'all know about Joseph and the coat of many colors, right? Y'all know that story. His brothers throw him in a pit, sell him as a slave. He goes to Egypt, Potiphar's house, goes to prison, interprets Pharaoh's dream. Boom, he's the number two man in all of Egypt. His family comes to Egypt, and you know what? The great nation of Israel is born in Egypt, and they're there, guess how long? 400 years. Just like God said was going to happen. And then God, does he bring judgment on that nation where they were servants for 400 years? We know about the plagues. Yes, God does all of those things. Check, check, check. Do they then inherit the promised land? Forty years in the wilderness, then they cross the river, and they take over the promised land. Check. 
Does God bless Abram over and over and over? Check. Does God make Abram's name great? Y'all know the song, Father Abraham had many sons? We still sing about him today. It's been thousands of years. Check. God makes his name great. Does God bless him and bless those that bless him and curse those that curse him? We've already seen it with Pharaoh in chapter 14, Melchizedek. Blesses Abram and he's blessed. Check and check. Go through all the promises that God makes to Abram. Check, check, check. Every single one of them. Does God keep his promises? He said he's going to keep his promises and you know what? He keeps his promises. There's one last thing I want you to see this morning. What does this mean for me and you? How is this important for us? Because I know that some of you are like, Brother Zach, I didn't get up and come in here on Sunday morning just to hear about Abram's covenant with God. I got in here and I had a really rough week this last week. And I came here praying that God would give me something from His Word that I could hold on to that would help me make it through this next week. Because I don't know how I'm going to make it through this next week. But if you haven't seen it yet, if it hadn't, hadn't smacked you in the face yet, I pray that you see that what God has just told Abram, that he's saying not only to Abram, but he's saying about himself in general, that this is reassuring not just for Abram, that this is reassuring for all of us, that God says, I cannot break a promise. Every promise I have ever made, I myself will make sure that it's carried out. I'm not delegating it to someone else. All of the promises that I've given you, I'm going to make sure that they happen. So when we read in Romans 10, 9, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We understand this to teach. We understand the Scriptures to teach that if we have faith in Jesus Christ, that our sins are forgiven that we are reconciled to God, that we are made blameless in the sight of God, and that when we die, that we're going to heaven to live with Him forever. Is that good news to anybody here? It's good news to me. And you know what's even better news? That those promises, that if you have faith, if you have done that, that God says that He's got the rest of it. He's going to forgive you of your sins. He is going to see to it that you have a place in heaven. He is going to see to it that when you come to the place of judgment, that your record is wiped clean and you're going to get to go to heaven. You don't have to work to make that happen. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to do anything else to secure all of those things. God's taking care of it. His promise. He said, and when I want it done right, I'll do it myself. I'll make sure that it comes to be. So in John 10, when he says, my sheep, right, those of us that have faith, we're his sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's a promise for those people that are Christian. That's a promise for people that have faith in Jesus Christ. A promise that God said he's going to make sure it happens. Nobody will ever snatch you out of his hand. No one can. He's giving you eternal life. You'll never perish. John 14, 3, when he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That where he lives in heaven, that he's coming to get those that have faith in him, and we're going with him. His promise. Not only is he not going to break it, he can't 
break it. If he broke that promise, he wouldn't be God anymore, and he will never cease to be God. Brothers and sisters, that's something for us to grasp onto. That's something for you to hold on to. You read promises in God's Word. Now, they're not all like Abraham's. Let me be clear about that. Some of them are conditional, right? You being reconciled to God, your sins being forgiven, you going to heaven, that's conditional on you having faith. But once you have responded in faith and given your life to Jesus Christ, it becomes unconditional. At that point, He takes over and He secures your eternity. He secures your forgiveness. Point two this morning. It's a little, I want to give it to you a little different than it is in your bulletin. In your bulletin it says, God's greatest promise is fulfilled in Jesus. I want you to change it to this. God's greatest promises are fulfilled in Jesus. All of the greatest promises reconciled to God so that I can talk to Him and have a relationship with Him right now. I'd say that's one of God's greatest promises. My sins are forgiven and I'm not guilty of all the things that I've done before. I would count that among some of God's greatest promises. I'm going to live in heaven forever where there's no pain and no hurt and no lying and no sin. And I'll be there and I'll be there with Him. I'll say that that's one of God's greatest promises. And every one of those is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus came, right here we see God again, not leaving it to chance. He said, I will secure all of this. He left heaven. God, in the form of Jesus, left heaven. He lived the perfect life because he knew none of us were ever going to do it. He died the perfect death. He came back to life. So he's defeated death. He's defeated sin. And now he's in heaven waiting to come back and receive us and to judge all of those that are not his one day. He secures all of it. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We have messed up, and He has made a way to fix everything that we have messed up. His promises that He keeps on His own. So, brothers and sisters, what we see here today is the Abrahamic covenant. But what the Abrahamic covenant shows us is the personality of God. shows us the character of God. This is a historical lesson. This actually happened. God actually told Abraham to cut the animals and lay them next to each other. And God actually showed him a vision of God passing in between them. That really happened. Historical fact. But there's a theological fact here as well. And that theological fact is that God will never, ever break a promise that he has made. Ever. And that's something that we can grasp hold of. That's something that you and I can hold on to. Because you can read his promises and memorize those promises and hide those in your heart. And then on Tuesday morning at work, when somebody says something and you don't know how you're going to make it. Or Wednesday when you get off and you don't know how you're going to have something to feed your kids. And you don't know how you're going to make it through another day. There are promises that you can hold on to knowing that those are God's promises and they'll never be broken. That no one can ever take those away from you. I pray that we know God's promises. And I pray that we hide those in our heart and that we love those promises. Now, here this morning, there's an opportunity for us to respond. Some of you are here this morning and you have never responded in faith to Jesus Christ. Right? That conditional covenant, that that part of the new covenant that's conditional, you haven't met that part. You haven't responded in faith. You haven't given lordship of your life to Jesus Christ. So you are still guilty of your sins. You do not have a promised home in heaven. But the beauty of it is God has made those things available already. 
Jesus has already come and died so that if you would respond, if you will place your faith in Him, you can have all those things. If you have questions about that, I would love to answer those. I pray this morning that if you've never understood how much you needed God, that this morning that you understand how much you need Him. If you've never thought that He was trustworthy because everybody you've ever trusted has lied to you, everybody that you've ever put your faith in has let you down, I pray this morning that you see that God is not like those people. God is not like me. If you trust me long enough, I'll let you down at some point. I'm sorry. It'll happen. But if you trust in God, He will never let you down. He'll never lie. He'll never break a promise to you. I also pray this morning that if we are here and we are Christians, that our response is joyful praise of God. That we remember that He has given us so many things that we don't deserve. He has given us thing after thing that on our own we would have screwed up. We would have given away. We would have pawned in for some worldly promise. But time and time again, God has kept His promises to us even whenever we have tried to stray from Him. Brothers and sisters, we have much to be joyful about this morning. I want to invite you to stand. And as we have a hymn of invitation, I pray that you would respond accordingly. However the Holy Spirit is leading you, if you need to pray if you have questions that you want to ask, if you want to sing in joyful praise, that whatever God has called you to do this morning by His Word, that you would respond by doing that as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation. So we think about what the message is this morning, just no music, just the words. Jesus Messiah, name above all Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of 